This is Photo Biz X, episode number 460, and today's interview guest was, is, a headshot photographer, but that's not why I've asked for this interview. He has since added portraits to his headshot photography business, and it sounds like it was the best decision he could have made. I'm talking about Ben Markham, and that interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I feel like I'm still coming down from a massive week last week. Not only did I release the interview with Holly and Marika, the two Seattle-based pet photographers who both focus on a similar genre, pet photography, but are at different stages of their career, have different approaches to their business, are great friends, and even participated in a photography competition slash workshop together. There were a ton of insights from both these amazing ladies. So make sure you get back and have a listen to that interview if you haven't heard that one yet. In addition to that interview with Holly and Marika, we had the Profitable Book Projects workshop with Katie Collenberg of Heart Story Photography and Katie K Business Coaching. It was a huge success. The feedback has been phenomenal so far with the resounding feedback being that Katie just gave so, so much and anyone that attended was in the perfect position to go ahead and start, produce and finish their very own book project. I've got a little bit more to share about that later in today's episode, but if you were there for the live training or you signed up for the live training and are looking for the additional course content, that is now available on the photobizx.com website. Look under the premium menu. You need to be logged in to access that training. There's a recording there of the full live session. There are a ton of resources ready to be downloaded and accessed. I'm going to pretty all that up tomorrow. At this stage, it's all just there for you to access easily. But I am going to make it look a lot better uh, tomorrow when I've got some more time to work on that. I'm not going to ramble too much before we get into this interview with Ben. Just one last quick thing. This weekend is Easter, if you're listening to this episode as it goes live, which means it's a long weekend and next week's episode will be a day later than usual. So look out for that one next Tuesday, depending on where you are in the world. So next week's episode will be coming down a day later than usual. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Ben. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what Ben shares in the first half, and I know you will because he is so giving with his information, there is a ton to learn from what Ben has to share. So yeah, if you'd like to hear the full interview, you can do that for as little as $1 with a trial membership. Simply head over to photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on that trial membership. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I was exchanging a few emails with today's guest before I asked him on for this interview. He's a portrait photographer based in Louisville, Kentucky. His work is inspired by classical art portraiture and it is simply gorgeous. But it's not the reason for this invitation. 
His business has recently taken a turn and it's grown as a result. He was originally focused on headshots and he's since added classic portraits and boudoir photography to his repertoire and carved out a little niche in his market and he says he couldn't be happier. He also said in those emails, I still shoot headshots and it's a good chunk of my business. It was more about adding on portraits. At first, I thought since the two styles were so vastly different, I needed to have separate websites for them. I ran that way for a little over a year. And in the middle of last year, I made the choice to combine these two sites. His revenue is over $100,000 and it's from a 60-40 split between portraits and headshots. I'm talking about Ben Markham of Ben Markham Photography and I'm wrapped to say that he's with us now. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Man, it's my pleasure. So what was the reason for, for making the change or adding on portraits? You know, I love headshots. I'm always going to love headshots. It's where I started, but I'm a creative and I needed to to scratch that creative itch a little bit more. And so I had started kind of playing with the idea of doing portraits. And once I finally figured out like what I wanted to do, I I got excited again. And so it was like, let's just step on the gas and go with this. Nice. So how long were you doing headshots for? And is that how you sort of got into photography business? Yeah. So I picked up a camera and started in 2013 and, you know, at that point wasn't really sure what end of the camera to look through or anything else. So I was kind of fumbling around and like in Louisville, there was a great fashion scene at the time and a group of photographers producing beautiful work. And I was like, okay, well that's successful. That must be what you do. And then it's like, I would try to shoot some fashion-y stuff and then I'd look at it later and just be like, yeah, but I don't care. Like this is going to go to Instagram for like five minutes and it'll get a few likes and then nobody cares. So I kind of stopped doing it, but I was like, you know, with my previous background, I was a theatrical sound designer before that. I was like, I know headshots. Like I've been looking at them my whole life. So let's go that route. So that's what really drug me in. And I was having a good time doing it. And plus at that point, nobody in Louisville specializing in headshots. So I was like, well then great. I'll be the headshot guy. Let's go there. So when you talk about headshots, and I see this more from US photographers than I do from Aussie photographers and even British and maybe even Canadian photographers, that you guys seem to look to attract actors. Is there a big acting community in Louisville? You know, when I first started, I was really trying to attract actors because it was who I knew. As I progressed, like I still work with some actors, but my main headshot business is professionals, people who need things for LinkedIn, websites, you know, that sort of thing. And I get a lot more of that. And I have a lot of repeat clients, like, you know, lawyers' offices and, you know, realtors and that sort of thing. So most of my headshot work is professional clients. Right. Okay. The actors, like when you do photograph actors or the ones that come in, have they got the money to spend like the professionals do? Uh, Some of them do, not all by any stretch. You know, a lot of times my actors will come in and they'll just purchase one or two images. It really depends. You know, I love actors and I love working with them, but it's one of the reasons I don't target them, you know, in my marketing as much anymore. Got it. Got it. So am I right in assuming that business was going along pretty well for the last few years with, you know, focusing on headshots? It was doing well. And, you know, like I was paying for my studio and, you know, taking home a wage and, keeping the bills paid and you know all of that but it wasn't doing what I had wanted it to do yet and I could have gone out and chased like the big corporate jobs and trying to go into offices 
frankly, I just didn't want to. And it's, it's like nice when they come along, but with what I was bidding on jobs, I wasn't getting them as frequently because, you know, uh, big office places a lot of times just go, oh, that's more than we were anticipating, which is fine. You know, they're allowed to have their budgets. And then I also just don't like taking my gear out of the studio. You know, I'm it's like, no, it's, I have control here. So I could have made it more profitable. I just didn't just because I'm a homebody. But it was going well. It was I just knew it could do more. Sure. When you say, or, you know, when you talk about knowing that it could do more, so did you like come to a point where you think, okay, I've got to generate more income and that's how I'm going to start portraiture? Like, is that how that came about? Kind of. I mean, so really my first introduction to making real money with portraiture was actually coming across Sue Bryce's stuff on Creative Live. It was like when one of her first live streams on there and she started talking about the numbers that she was doing. And I was like, wait, what? You're doing what numbers? That's not no nobody's paying that and so that was what first kind of sparked it and of course you know i was one of those non-believers who didn't believe it until i actually got to ask somebody for a large credit card the first time and you know then that part became exciting so it was they kind of grew together it was i need to be making more money and i want to be scratching this creative itch so and they just they grew together nice okay so tell me about how you actually started, you know, adding the portraits to your business. Because it sounds like you created a website first. I'm guessing you had to bring in some clients. How did you do that? So with the portrait side, like I started, you know, I was still doing the headshot. So I would bring people in and was trying to find my voice with portrait stuff. So I kept bringing people in. And, you know, frankly, I was trying to like emulate the Sue Bryce style at that point, which I love. She does beautiful work but it wasn't speaking to me. So like the work didn't feel true. Like it would be visually pretty, but it just didn't, it was still kind of that. Okay. But it's not me sort of thing going on. So there was a woman that works for my wife who she made her wedding dress and they were getting married on a family farm and they had a friend with a camera do their wedding photos, but not really a, you know, a photographer. And I was like, you know, as a wedding gift, I want to do a portrait for her. So I did a portrait of her and it ended up being this beautiful, classically styled portrait. And that really flipped the switch in my brain. I was like, okay, that's where my brain is. That's where I want to go. And so then it was from there figuring out how to build the confidence to do it for a long time with the websites you mentioned, you know, my website was primarily headshot focused. And then like I would shoot some portraity stuff and it would find its way to the blog but I, I was trying to not confuse people coming to the site because I hadn't worked out yet how to navigate them through and not cross the streams. So eventually I did separate the sites out, you know, as you said in the, in the intro. So yeah, that's a long-winded way to answer your question. Not at all. So just tell me, when you say classic or classical portraits, what do you mean? So... I'm inspired by artists like John Singer Sargent, for example, you know, uh, impressionist painter, but it, it primarily his work until he got sick of doing it was just beautiful, elegant portraits of people. And the one that everybody knows, Madame X, you know, I've seen it everywhere. Elegant, good impression, beautiful pose, well rendered, you know, portrait. And so that's the sort of thing that really, you know, really kind of strikes my fancy. Right. So did you already know about that style of portraiture before you started creating or that style of art? 
I did. So when I was a little kid, my mom worked at Kentucky Opera and Kentucky has an opera, which surprises most people. Uh, And at that point, their office building was headquartered in an old Victorian mansion called the Brennan House. Louisville has one of the largest areas of intact Victorian mansions in the country, all in like one area, which is really cool. There's some beautiful architecture. So in the Brennan house, all of the Brennan's things and everything are still there. It was treated as a museum, including all of their portraits. So I was there all the time as a kid. So I was just around them and they just kind of became a part of life. Like it became a point where I, you didn't really think and go, oh, there's a beautiful portrait or, you know, the, what it just was like. It was just a part of the landscape, if that makes sense. So I was familiar with it and the style. And I just had never thought about trying to bring that aesthetic to portrait photography. Got it, got it. Okay, and that for you, the listener, you have to go and check out Ben's Instagram feed or his website to get a better idea of the kind of portraiture we're talking about here. His Instagram is at Ben Markham Photo, if you want to pop over and have a look at that. Um, but to describe them, they have a, a painterly, classical portrait feel, amazingly beautifully lit, soft but still contrasty, quite natural, plain backgrounds. You're using, it looks like... Um, a classical furniture or drapes in subdued colors like it is absolutely stunning gorgeous work ben like thank you is this the kind of work you created right from the start uh eventually i still struggled for a little bit of time of trying to navigate between you know what i wanted to create and what i thought would sell like i was really in my way of going this sort of thing won't sell and then you know, and I think you and I had talked about this at one point, I'm a member of Peter Hurley's headshot crew as well. And I was at the first headshot mania one that he did and sat down with another photographer friend of mine. And he looked at me and was like, man, you just got to create stuff that you want to look at. And it's like such a simple concept, but it was like my brain blew open. It was like, of course, just make what you want to look at. And then that's when I really hit the point of going, no, we're, we're going. If I make what I want to look at and I'm excited about it and I'm presenting it beautifully and people will come for this. And if I'm wrong and they don't come for it, I can pivot then, but let's try it and see what happens. And uh, trying it has been good. Unreal. I want to get into the clients that you're attracting in just a minute, but you said, or I said in the intro after you told me that you merged the two websites into one, did you get any negative feedback or pushback from that move? No, not really. It's actually been better because now that I've kind of thought it through and how to navigate people through it, people are getting the content that they want more easily. You know, so when I had first built my websites and Lord, I've probably rebuilt my websites, you know, 500 times. I think we all go through that. But you know, I was really focusing on going, okay, I've got to get people to this front page and then they'll just know where to go, which was the wrong tack to take. So it's like, I have my front page now, but the front page is really just choose your adventure. And, you know, then I go in and I really optimize each of the landing pages for what I want people, you know, what I think people are searching for, what they are searching for. So whether that's boudoir or, you know, portraits or headshots and whatever, they land naturally where they need to be. Right. And I'm on your website right now and I'm on the homepage. It's very simple to see, you know, right across the menu, it's boudoir, portraits, 
professional headshots, acting headshots, and then you've got gift certificates and other things. And then if I scroll down, again, you've got classic portraits, boudoir portraits, and professional headshots, and I've got a, a link to each of those different landing pages and also actor headshots there as well. It's a gorgeous, simple website. It looks like a little bit like a, a headshot photographer's website on the homepage because I'm guessing that's where your roots are, and I've seen quite a few headshot photography websites. But it's simple, isn't it? Like, it's easy to navigate. It's still gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah, and the whole idea when I really sat down and did this one was like, and looking at who's coming to my website, is like like 70% of my traffic is mobile. So, and then thinking and going, okay, in a mobile environment, everybody's conditioned to scroll and swipe. So the website needs to function seamlessly in scroll swipe. And then desktop is really secondary. So I've really tried to optimize it as best I can to look great on phone. Awesome. I love that. Just quickly, while we're talking about your website, you've got gift certificates on there. Is that a popular thing? Does that get used, that page? Do people buy them? Yeah. So like, especially around holidays, you know, I think in like December of last year, November, December, you know, I think I sold about $3,000 worth to people and that's just booking sessions. And then now we're in the process of starting to plan those sessions for the gift recipients. So they, you know, we still have sales to come from those. Fantastic. Okay. So you, what your expectation is, and I would have the same expectations is that people will buy a gift card for someone and then that person will purchase more on top of that uh, gift certificate. Yeah. And actually I, with everything that was bought, you know, for the holiday season, they pretty much just all bought the session fee itself. And then I talk to, you know, most people before they purchase a gift certificate with me, they call and they go, okay, so what prices am I looking at? And so on. So the person buying the gift certificate, most of the time knows what all of the print pricing is before they ever buy a gift certificate. So they're prepared that they're going to spend more later. Got it. Okay. So is that the $300 amount that most people are spending? Yeah. Most of them are between 300 and 500. Got it. Okay. And you've got 1000 and $2,000 options there and a custom option as well. Okay. So you, are people... Were they buying them as gifts to give to their partners and friends? Mm -hmm. Yes. Several for partners. Uh, I just shot one the other day that was purchased that a mom had bought for her daughter who was a ballet dancer. But yeah, everybody was buying them to give them as gifts. Unreal. Okay. So this is a worthy page on the website. Like it deserves a, a spot there in the main menu. Oh, absolutely. That is cool. That is cool. So you start photographing these classical portraits and did you bring in the boudoir at the same time, or are they one and the same thing for you? They're one and the same thing for me. And I did a TikTok video about this the other day. I really only use the word boudoir because people know what it is and people are Googling it. Um, I don't really consider what I do boudoir, but you know, the general public knows what that is and knows what to search for. And I sound so pretentious saying this, but you know, I consider more of what I do in that regard is just intimate portraiture. You know, it's so I do work a lot with the drape or or nude or whatever, but I'm still trying to pose and light things as classically as possible. And it's, you know, I actually I look at a lot of sculpture when I'm thinking about my, you know, intimate portraiture work, just the, the way that the lines flow and then how they're often lit either by windows, you know, in museums and the way the light and shadow falls. I, I get kind of transfixed. Yeah, and that's exactly how your portraits look. So kudos to you, mate. They really are fantastic. Thank you. So tell me about these clients. You start putting or creating these images, you're putting them onto your website. 
Do women, um, it looks like mainly women, are getting these portraits or purchasing them. Do they just find your website or are you advertising to find them? All of the above. So, you know, I try to be as active as I can on social. I do as much as I can to optimize the website for a search and try to, you know, pay attention to what people are searching for. You know, a lot of my clients, especially from like mid last year on, are people who've been following me on social for a couple of years and then have finally decided to pull the trigger and go. Um, you know, my studio now is a storefront. So I'm right out facing a parking lot. So that's been garnering some attention. Word of mouth has been a big thing. And it's really kind of like, there's no just like one way people are finding me. Like I'm having to be active in every place that I can find. So I want to talk about what you've just shared, but it doesn't sound like then, like you're not running Facebook ads and giveaways or Instagram ads and um, offering free sessions, or you didn't mention third-party marketing campaigns. So is there any like direct marketing you're doing or are you just relying on being visible? I do have some Google ads running for both headshots, portraits, and well, I say both, and then I'm listing three things. So for <laughs> portraits, you know, boudoir and headshots, they're out there and they drive some traffic to the website, which, you know, results in some conversions. But most of it is just being in front of people. That's been really what's driven the most. You know, at one point I was trying some things with Facebook ads and I've just stopped, you know, with everything that's going on with, since everything changed with the iOS changes, Facebook marketing has gotten overly complicated. And I was running ads right after it, that switch happened and the leads I was starting to get weren't right anymore. And it was like a bad mix of, it's like, you're not my client and I'm not your photographer. And that's not a good or bad thing. It's just, we're not gelling. So it was getting back to where you know, my customer avatar is. Right. Because and the reason I'm asking is because I get a sense, and I might be way off, off base here, that your clients, when they see their portraits, I get the feeling they're buying one piece because you're creating these standalone gorgeous images. Like I don't see them being a collection on a wall. I don't see an album. I see like one beautiful large piece that would live in their home. Am I off, off the mark here? So my biggest seller is actually the albums. Those are the ones that people love the most. I think people are still at a place where they're nervous to have a large portrait of themselves in their homes, whether that's they fear that it's vain or whatever. So I'm working on that and I'm trying to normalize the large portrait again. And it's getting through. I, I do have clients who purchase several large things. Earlier in the year, I had a client she purchased, oh Lord, like 10 or 11, like 30, 45s and like a 40 by 60. Like she bought a good deal and I am grateful to her. <laughs> you know, a lot of clients will buy just one large print, like a 24 by 36 or so, and then still go with an album. Like I think people feel safe with the album. So it's normally a combo. I rarely sell just one. Right. Okay. So then you must be then, it sounds like shooting like a series of images. You're not sort of going all out to create one masterpiece. This is that you're shooting and reposing and repositioning and changing your setups for a single session for a client. Yeah. For clients, that's absolutely where it is. And I'll be honest in the dream world in my head, and I just haven't gotten brave enough to do this yet. And you may be inspiring it is I would absolutely love to do sessions where we're just making one 
and really just spend the time dialing everything in. I just haven't gotten brave enough to pull that trigger yet, but I've talked about it a million times, <laughs> just never done it. Well, tell me about the albums that these clients are purchasing. How large is the album and how many prints go in there? So the albums I use are from Bay. I'm using, I think it's the Pacific album and I do it with the leather covers. It's 11 by 14. I offer two base sizes, either a 10 image album or a 20, but it's not uncommon for people to put, you know, 25, 30 images in an album. So it's really kind of everywhere in between. And like my sales process, I think is different than a lot of folks. So the way that I work is I shoot tethered, you know, all day long. Basically, that's the makeup artist and I can have a better eye of what's going on. And then as soon as we get done shooting and the client's changing, I do a really fast cull and we go sell straight out of camera. So we go into my and I airplay to a large screen TV and the client and I do it right there off the raw images. Okay. Just let me hold you up there, Ben. So just let me take you back to the album because you said that they can add extra photos. So is it one photo to a side or can you have multiple photos on a spread? I'm doing one per, one per page. So if it's a portrait orientation, it's one per page. If it's a landscape orientation, I will spread that across two pages. So one single image across two pages or two on the one side? Uh, one across two pages. So it is a really wide, wide portrait. Right. Okay. Okay. So this is quite a large, um, impressive looking album. Yes. Okay. I love this. Um, let me take you back before we get into the sales process, like your clients. So it sounds like what you said earlier, you know, one of the main ways you're getting booked is by being active on social. What does that mean? So I mean, for the past couple of years in particular is really trying to be active on Facebook and Instagram. And rather than trying to post things that were going to appeal to other photographers and get likes and comments from the industry, which I love, I was really trying to focus on getting into places and using local hashtags or whatever. So I really wanted my work to be seen locally. And then I also you know, I partner with a couple other local businesses, you know, so getting featured on their social media or featuring them on my social media and then they share. So that local symbiosis has been good. And then now that I feel like Facebook and Instagram have really slowed down, you know, the algorithms have gotten where they're making it harder for us to be seen and get out there. I've been going all in on TikTok, which has been strange and bizarre but I've been booking off of it, which is also strange and bizarre. Um, I did not anticipate that at all, but that's where people are going now. You know, the largest growing audience on TikTok is, you know, 30 to 50 year olds. It's not just the kids anymore. So it's like, if my audience is going to be there, then I guess I need to learn how to dance. Fantastic. So are these the same posts that are appearing at the top of your Instagram feed? Are these the ones you're using on TikTok as well? These behind the scenes type looks? Yeah. So some of them, and I don't share all of my TikToks on Insta. Some I do, but yeah. So really, really what happened with TikTok is earlier this month, like I'd had the account and I'd been kind of trying to fiddle around with it, but a friend of mine sat me down top of February and she had just gotten her account to do gangbusters and she gave me a crash course. And I was like, okay, let me give it 30 days and just go all in and see what happens. 
And so I've been since February 2nd, you know, posting two to three times a day and being active in places. And, you know, I've more than doubled the following that I had and the traffic to the website has been insane. And it is a much more open social media network for now. You know, I'm sure sooner or later they'll throttle us as well. And the next social media thing will happen and then we'll all shift again. (laughs) So two or three times a day you're posting there. So what kind of, like, it can't always be, you know, well-produced videos, is it? That's the great thing about TikTok. You don't necessarily want them to be well-produced. Like, you just want it, like, TikTok's a little more raw. So, and like, everybody kind of finds their voice or whatever. So I ended up, you know, my gimmick has evidently turned out to be, like, I walk into camera talking now. I don't know how that came about, but now it's a thing. You know, and a a lot of times I'm using the studio as the background. Sometimes it's talking about photography stuff. You know, I just did one a second ago before we hopped on here, you know, talking about the pain that I'm experiencing from getting back to the gym, just as kind of a personal, hey, you get to know your artist sort of thing. And it's a completely different language on TikTok than it's been on Facebook or Insta, but it also gets addictive. So, you know, once something the first time you have something just take off and run, it's like, ooh, there's that dopamine rush I've been missing. That's kind of fun. <laughs> and you said you've actually had inquiries from it. So do people actually then, do they go to your website first? Do they call you? Like, how do you know they're coming from TikTok? Are they telling you? Yeah, I always ask in a consultation. They're like, where'd you find me? And, you know, you know I found you on Google or I found you on TikTok. So people let me know. I have the link tree in my bio. So if I happen to be here, in the office and, you know, I'm editing on one screen and I am watching Google the entire time. If somebody pops to the website, I can see where they came from. So kind of all the above. Cool. Okay. So how are you doing that? How are you quickly checking where they came from in Google analytics? Yeah. I have the real time view up because I'm convinced that if I watch it all day, then good things are going to happen. So, you know, (laughs) or or I'm neurotic. One of the two. (laughs) It could be a combination. (laughs) Most likely. (laughs) Oh, wow. And so do you feel the pressure to be producing content or are you just enjoying it and going with the flow? Both. Like, so my wife and I were actually just talking because I got her going on it too for one of her side businesses. And so we're both right now starting to go, oh, I'm running out of ideas. So we're, yes, uh, but yeah. So you feel the pressure, but at the same time, it's just kind of fun. I mean, like, and I'm figuring out, it's like, okay, I need to stop trying to, talk photography stuff all of the time. I can be a little bit more funny here and there. I can, you know, I can inject some different things. So it's, it's still kind of finding my way with it. Got it. Yeah. I can imagine. (laughs) It's probably like having your own photography business. You have to find your voice, don't you? And get comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I'm lucky that like I've been in all of the socials and zoom meetings everywhere. So I'm comfortable talking on camera, but it's, finding new things to talk about that you think are going to be entertaining, but then also getting past yourself and going, you may not find this entertaining, but the viewers might, you know, it's like, I call it stagehand syndrome with our social media. So as I'd said, I was a stagehand. So in the theater days, you know, people would go, Oh, we want a tour backstage. And the stagehand in me who knows all the magic is like, well, there's just like some boxes and some people pushing stuff around back there. There's nothing exciting. And then you take the audience backstage and it's the coolest thing they've ever seen. Yeah. So it's the same thing with us producing content for our social media. It's like, to me, it's like, no, my studio is just my studio and I love it, but 
you know, it's not as magical to me because I'm here every day. So to a consumer of my content, you know, it's a different world for them. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. hundred percent. So tell me your prices aren't immediately obvious on your website. So when does the client first see your pricing? If they flat out ask me in an email or in a phone call or whatever, I'll tell them starting prices. If they don't do it there, then it's in the consultation that we go through and we go through everything. You know, there's not just, okay, here's a starting price. Like I say every number out loud so that, you know, they can't come back later and go, oh, I didn't know. It's like, yeah, you did. We talked about it. (laughs) Okay. So if we're talking portraiture, the classical portrait that we have been, so a client contacts you, they normally contact you through your website or they call the studio. What do you normally get? Most of the time they contact me through the website and I've set up now an online booker for consultations. So that's just built right into the webpage so somebody can go book a consultation either in person or via Zoom directly from the website. If they're not comfortable doing that, if they still have questions, my phone number is there on the page and a contact form. So whatever way they're most, I I try to make it as easy as possible for them to contact me. Got it. Okay. So you're using something like Calendly or Acuity for that scheduling? Yeah, I'm actually using the native 17 hats uh, online booker. So it all just kind of seamlessly works together in my workflow. Okay. So if I'm looking at a, a portrait session, I click on that, I go to your calendar, I share my contact info, and basically I'm scheduling a call with you via Zoom or in person. And that's where what happens. You're going to talk about the session and how it runs and the pricing. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk through that. We're going to talk about how they want to be photographed and not everybody wants to be photographed in a big gown or, you know, draped in fabric. I do get people who are like, I want to be in jeans and a leather jacket or whatever. So we, we talk about what they want. And then, you know, I go through my process and explain the pricing and what they're getting for the pricing, how the day is going to work. And it's important for me in those consultations for them to meet me because I may not be their photographer. They may meet me and go, you know, like I like the work, but I just don't feel like our personalities with, I would happen early or I may meet them and just go, I just don't think this is going to work. So I think that dynamic is huge. It is really important to me as the artist. God, okay. So if someone says, you know, they just want to be photographed in jeans and a leather jacket, there's not a lot of that style of work on your website or on your Instagram feed. So do you just still photograph them, but don't show that work? Or are you trying to steer them around to something a little bit more classical? I'll shoot what they want. And I actually shoot it quite frequently. I just don't show it as much. But they do, (laughs) you know, the clients post it on their Instagram and, you know, and they share it around. So, you know, my job, when a client books me, I'm creating for them. It's not about me. I'll I'll create for me on my time. If you pay me, I'm going to put my eye to it, my aesthetic to it, but I'm making what you want. Now, you know, that said, if somebody calls me and says, you know, I want to go to a park and do things by a lake with geese in the background, I just turn it down. (laughs) It's like, it's not my jam. So I don't want to. I refer it out, but yeah, like jeans and a leather jacket, we, it happens. Okay. So let's say, you know, a woman calls, she wants to have the jeans and leather jacket style shoot because I know you, I mean, you talked about how passionate you were about your style and creating the kind of images that make you happy. Are you trying to talk her into having something in that style as well? 
premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Ben, mate, this has been fantastic to talk to you. I love what you've built with your business. I love how you've added the portraiture on and that things are going so well for you. If we chat in 12 months' time, where would you like to see the business? You know, in 12 months' time, I would love to actually by then like have an associate in here slash assistant, you know, somebody helping me out doing editing and emails and catching behind the scenes stuff and potentially starting to take some of the headshot work. That's kind of where I'm aiming right now for the next 12-ish months. Fantastic. But where is the best place for listeners to see more of your work? Instagram is always great at Ben Markham Photo, the website, um, and if they want to see me make a general fool of myself, TikTok is a lot of fun as well. Okay. <laughs> the audio just dropped out then, but the website is benmarkham.com. I'm going to add links to all these and everywhere else you can find Ben online in the show notes. How do we find you on TikTok? I think I'm just at Ben Markham, I think. So let's go with that. I think that's the correct thing. (laughs) Well, I will find the link and confirm that with you and uh, make sure it's in the show notes as well. Ben, it's been a real pleasure, mate. Congratulations on your success. Your photography is incredible. I'm looking forward to chatting to you again in the future and, and seeing how things are going, mate. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you did. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ben as much as I did. Ben, if you are listening, again, mate, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you have. I said it earlier, your work is fantastic. I really love the business model that you've created for yourself, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about your success in the future. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Ben had to share. One thing I will urge you to do is go and check out the show notes for today's episode so you can see exactly the kind of work that Ben is producing because it is fantastic. The show notes this week are at photobizx.com forward slash 460. Now in those show notes, in addition to the examples of Ben's amazing work, I've got links to anywhere and everywhere you can find him online, including TikTok. There is also a comments area at the very bottom. So if you have a follow-up question for Ben, you can hit him up there. You can hit him up directly through one of the links I've included, or if you are a premium member, you'll have easy access to Ben inside the members Facebook group. It's shout out time. I have three big shout outs for today's episode, and these go to three photographers who attended the live training with Katie last week on how to create a profitable photography book project. These three photographers are amongst the many who got so much from what Katie had to share. I'm talking about Kandra Shank, Karen Black, and Paige McLeod, who all left wonderful reviews for Katie and what she shared. Kandra, for example, she says, this is probably the best training I have done in a long time. Please let Katie know. I'm so excited to do this as I've been waiting to do it for a long time, but didn't know how to get started. I now have a plan, a roadmap, and now to begin. Karen says in her review, I just wanted to say that the Profitable Book Project training was excellent. KDK is amazing. It was so well put together and easy to follow. I loved being the beneficiary of her past successes and mistakes. Some amazing nuggets and ideas that she shared in addition to her process. Thanks for putting this on. It was well worth the money and I can't wait to start a second book project now. And Paige says, Andrew, the training was so good. The entire thing was amazing. It was a marketing, sales, client communication. Oh, and also how to do a book project course. 
I felt like I had the basic outline of how to do projects of this nature and Katie filled in so many pitfalls for me with elegant solutions. Your podcast is helpful, but this class knocked it out of the park for me. Thank you for bringing Katie to us. How good was that? Three amazing reviews. Like I said earlier, the recordings and supporting documents are all available as a standalone course now in or on the photobizx.com website. You can still access that if you've already signed up for the training. If you want to learn more about it, simply head to photobizx.com forward slash book projects. And thank you again to Paige, Karen and Kandra for your lovely reviews. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead. I hope you have a great Easter. I'll be back next week with another interview a day later than usual. Big thanks again to Ben Markham for sharing everything he did. Make sure you go and check out his work. It is fantastic. All right, stay safe, healthy and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 